0: Good morning. Happy New Year. I um, hope you all had Christmas and a good New Year's. Um, it came and went pretty quickly, for me at least. Um, but we're back now. to new year, and I'm just trusting in God for a lot of good things this year, and I'm just excited to see kind of how the year unfolds. So, um, you know, back when Chris and I were at Moody, um, I kind of had our whole future planned out in a way. Um, Well, part of it at least. Uh, We had just finished our junior year and we were newly engaged. I was a pre-counseling and human services major and Kirsten was a children and family ministry major and my plan, and yes, I say my plan because looking back on it, uh, I kind of realized that um, it wasn't in any way our plan. It was kind of just, this is what was going to happen and Kirsten had to kind of be along for the ride, um, which was not good um, being a husband on my part. But anyway, uh, my plan was to graduate from Moody, and um, then I was going to go to Dallas Theological Seminary to get my master's in counseling. Um, And then after that, we would stay in Dallas, and I would become a full-time counselor right out of master's school, and Kirsten was going to submit to the role of a traditional stay-at-home mom, (laughs) which, don't get me wrong, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I want to make that clear. Um, There's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom or or a stay-at-home dad even. Um, There's nothing wrong with the traditional Christian role of a husband and wife where the husband primarily works um, and earns the income, where the wife primarily um, takes care of the house and the kids and things like that. Um, There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, But that's just kind of what, for some reason, I expected. Um, I expected to um, come home every day and be greeted with um, my loving kids and a home-cooked meal. And if you know anything about Kirsten, you know that for her to not work is out of the question. And um, she has goals career-wise. For her to do all the cooking is also out of the question because she's amazing at cooking, but she doesn't like it. i going in and out. Hello? Can you hear me? Okay. Um, but yeah, so she, she hates cooking, um, so and she literally will refuse to touch raw meat, so I end up doing most of our cooking, but <laughs> uh, which is fine, because I like to do it. Um, but anyway, so, and I want to make it clear as well that, like, my parents didn't model that in any way where the, the husband only does, like, work and earns income where the wife just stays at home and cooks and cleans and stuff. Like, my dad... Worked primarily, yes, but he also would help a lot at home um, with cleaning and stuff. He didn't help with cooking because he can't make ice, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. He, he can cook breakfast food and, and grill, but other than that, cooking is not his area of expertise. But uh, he's here today, so I have to make fun of him. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and my mom would also work as well, so she didn't only do things around the house and stuff like that. So I just want to make that clear. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I had like the last, the next 10 years at least kind of mapped out in my head. And uh, in that was in June when we got married. And then by December, six months later, um, it had kind of changed a little bit where I decided I wanted to go to Trinity now up in Deerfield, Illinois to, to get my master's in counseling. And then little did I know eight months later in August and now a year later in January of 2020, I would be working as a part-time barista at Starbucks and part-time at this church, kind of doing a whole bunch of different things (laughs) that Hugh and Vanessa asked me to do, which is fine. I love it, But, um, but so I say all this to say that sometimes you can have kind of an exact plan mapped out for your future, but sometimes God doesn't work that way. Sometimes bumps come in the road and God decides to completely change your course of direction altogether. And he might take you in the opposite direction of what you were expecting. (laughs) <laughs> he did. <laughs> Thank you, Marie. But um, yeah, so as I was preparing for this sermon and thinking about kind of what I wanted to talk about, um, I was sitting at my um, desk in our like office in our apartment, and I looked over to my left on the bookshelf next to me, and there was a picture frame. And it wasn't actually a picture in it, but it was a, a verse, a quote. And the verse was Romans twelve twelve, which says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. And I've probably looked at that picture frame a hundred times, and it never really stuck out to me until it did when I was uh, preparing for this sermon. And it was just really cool because I think that verse kind of perfectly exemplifies what I wanted and what I was hoping to to talk about in this sermon. Um, And I think it's, I just love how God works that way sometimes, sometimes, as he can take something that you've looked at a hundred times or thought about a hundred times and just bring it to light to you in a whole new way. Um, he can just move that way sometimes. And, um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I want to do this morning is just unpack that um, verse this morning, kind of dissect those three commands that Paul gives to the Romans. Um, so the first one he gives is to rejoice in hope. Um, so what does this mean, to rejoice in hope? Is Paul telling us here that we need to be happy all the time? Well, not necessarily. Um, Paul fully understands that there's absolutely times for sorrow in life. Um, it's not always going to be, you know, sunshine and roses. Um, but, so he's not saying we always have to be happy, but he is saying that we need to have the right perspective on our situation as believers. Uh, we are to rejoice in hope.
1: And the hope he's talking about here
0: is the hope of our inheritance through Christ. 1 Peter 1, through 3-4 says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And I love that phrasing, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, because um, for those of us who are in Christ, we have an incredible award, wa- award awaiting us in heaven. It's to be with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, forever. And that will never pass away and we will never get tired of it. It's, it's kind of sad to, to see how heaven is portrayed in a lot of movies and, and TV and the media today. It's, heaven is kind of portrayed as this place where you just float around on clouds all day and you're playing harps and there's a bunch of flying naked babies. <laughs> um, that's kind of what heaven is kind of portrayed like. And it's just sad because heaven is not going to be like that at all. And the way I know that is because if heaven was like that, I would get super bored of it in about five minutes. <laughs> I don't want to be flying around on clouds all day playing harps for eternity. That doesn't sound fun to me. I don't know about you guys, but... <laughs> um, but as we can learn from Scripture, including this verse in 1 Peter, heaven is a place that we'll never, we will never grow old of, and we will never get bored or tired of it. We will eternally be in the magnificent presence of the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, and we can rejoice in the hope of our eternal life with the Father. So the next um, command he gives in this verse, Romans 12, 12, is be patient in tribulation. Um, now, this is the section that I really kind of want to take some time and, and talk about more deeply because this is, I think, where a lot of us maybe are, or at least feel like we are a lot of the times in life. Um, and guys, if you don't know it, the world, the world stinks sometimes. It just does. It's full of some pretty terrible, sinful people, and everybody in this room, we are all those people. We're all sinful. There's no one in this room who's perfect, or in any room, for that matter. Uh, And because of the corruption of sin, the world is a bit of a messed up place. And a lot of the time, our lives suffer for it, unfortunately. There's things in the world like injustice, dysfunction, pain, and even death. All of these things are a result of sin and the corruption of sin on the world. In Genesis 3, 16 through 19, it talks about God's punishment for, uh, for Adam and Eve because of their sin that they um, ate from the one tree in the garden that God commanded them not to. Um, God says to Eve in verse 16, it says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Um, so one of the things God says here is, to Eve is that because of her sin, she would have great pain in childbirth. And And just through sin entering the world, pain became a thing. You know, it's not just in childbirth, obviously. Um, As we all know, pain is in all different sorts of ways. It could be even physical or emotional pain. Um, But just pain in general is only present because of the corruption of sin and the destruction that sin has brought to us. Um, And then in verse 17, he says to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it curses the ground because of you, and toil you will eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field, by the sweat of your face you will be, uh, you will eat bread until you return to the ground, because of it, or because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So as we can see here, God is talking to about the curse of death. He says to Adam that you were made from the dust of the ground, and back to the ground you will become dust again. So in other words, you will one day die. And that's the case for all of us unless Jesus comes back before then. We will all eventually pass away um, because of the corruption of sin. And I say all this to say sometimes really terrible things happen to us in life that are completely out of our control. Um, Maybe it's a financial struggle or dysfunction within a family or within a marriage even. Uh, Maybe it's a physical issue such as disease or sickness, um, and maybe even the death of a loved one. Now, some of those things aren 't necessarily out of our control, but a lot of them could be out of control out of our control. Um, so what I want to talk about is kind of how we handle difficult circumstances in life, because there's a lot of different ways, um, and there are some good ways, don 't get me wrong, but there's also a lot of negative and bad ways to handle um, difficult circumstances. So and if you're like me, which hopefully you aren't, uh, you might be very pessimistic and oftentimes have a short fuse. So something as small as a tiny hole in your winter coat that feathers are popping out, causes you to freak out and return the jacket altogether. <laughs> or wasting $1.75 and quarters on a drying machine that I swear the clothes were more wet after. I don't even know how that's possible, but that m- makes you really mad. <laughs> Again, please don't follow my example, but because um, I'm usually not good at dealing with difficult things. Um, But I I can laugh about these small things that tick me off sometimes, but sometimes it's not just small things that that happen to us. You know, sometimes it's really, really big things, like the things I mentioned earlier, you know, about sickness or disease and things like that. Um, So it's how we handle those things that I believe, and I think scripture says as well, that truly tests the strength of our relationship with the Lord. Um, Because when in difficult circumstances, people usually lean one of two ways. They either lean more towards God, or they lean away from him. And if you lean away from God, you may be doing so because of feelings of, um, that God has abandoned you in your difficult circumstance, that he doesn't care about you, he caused this thing to happen, Um, he doesn't know what he's doing, or he's just a big jerk. Um... And I've experienced all these feelings before in my life, and I'm sure I will experience some of them again in the future, for sure. Um, And I'm sure a lot of us here have felt the same way, if not all of us, at some point in our lives. Um, However, these feelings are just simply not true. These are just lies from the enemy. They're lies from Satan just trying to separate us from God and blind us to the truth that is his love for us. Um, Because the truth is God does not abandon us. He doesn't put us through trials to punish us, and he's not a big jerk. God says in numerous passages throughout Scripture the phrase, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Deuteronomy 31.6, Deuteronomy 31.8, Joshua 1.5, 1 Kings 8.57, Psalm 27.10, this is a little bit different phrasing, but he says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And so many other passages all say the same thing. I could have listed a lot more, but... Um, yeah, God just says it so often in scripture that he will never leave us. And I don't really read or write poetry much, um, but there was this poem, this person's laughing at me. (laughs) There was this poem that I heard or read uh, as a kid that always kind of stuck with me and I want to read it to you. It's called Footprints in the Sand. Some of you probably have heard of it before, but um, it says, one night I dreamed a dream as I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene, uh, uh, last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest of times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, You said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and I will never leave you. Never, ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And I just love this poem because it just... Shows, at least to me, in just an awesome way, um, that God does not leave us in times of trouble, but He carries us through if we just rely on Him. Um, I'm someone that, when life is going really well, it's really easy for me to praise God and just thank Him for all He's done for me. It's really easy for my mind to remember all the ways that He's blessed me in my life. But when times are not going so well, that's when it becomes the challenge to, to praise him and thank him for, for what he's done and to remember why you have reason to praise him. Um, but in reality, those times when life isn't going that great, that's not a good time to try to make it on our own without him. That's the time when we need him the most. Um, so God puts us through trials to test us and strengthen us. Like I said before, God doesn't put us through trials to punish us. Um, He's not out to get us. He loves us. And as his children, he asks us to love him back and serve him. Um, And sometimes he chooses to bring trials into our life um, to test us. Not because he's mean or vindictive in any way, um, but he just wants to challenge us so that he can help us to grow in our strength and our relationship with him and and cause us to gain endurance um, to trust him and depend on him more. And this may sound cruel um, to think about it this way, that God does sometimes cause trials to come up in our lives um, intentionally, but if you think about it, it's not cruel. Like, that's how we get strengthened in really any area of our life, if you think about it. Like, for example, when I was in high school, I played basketball, and the coach would just run us to death sometimes. Like, um, we would do intervals of sprints for literally the entire practice some days, and I absolutely hated it like we all on the team just hated it and we all wanted to quit but because of that during when it came to game time we had a lot of endurance and we could play the if I didn't play much because I wasn't very good but <laughs> the starters who would play that sometimes people would play the entire game and by the end of the game they would still have enough energy to keep playing. Um, and it's because of that conditioning that we all had a lot of endurance you know I was I was sitting on the bench, but I had a ton of energy, and I was ready to go if I got called in. (laughs) But um, another example is with uh, music. Like if you play guitar, Mike, you probably know what I'm going to say, but if you play guitar, when you first start playing, after like 20 minutes or so, your fingers really start to hurt because the strings are so small that you feel like your fingers are going to like slice open and start bleeding. But as you practice and practice, your fingers develop calluses, and they get more firm and... uh, because of that, you can end up playing, you know, for upwards of an hour or more, and your fingers don't really get that sore. Um, so it's just through um, practicing and um, developing the, that strength, you gain endurance. And so um, James 1, 2 through 4 says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let that endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, James says, consider it joy when we encounter various trials. Why? Well, because of verse 3, when he says, we can consider it joy because we know that the testing of our faith produces endurance. So, God um, puts us through trials to test us and to strengthen us, and he is always in complete control. Um, Now, I know this is maybe all well and good to know it in our head that God's in control, but a lot of times it's still not enough. For us to trust in him fully and be happy about our difficult times. Um, You know, you may be thinking, how am I supposed to consider it joy that my family member passed away from cancer? Or how am I supposed to consider it joy that, you know, blank happens to someone I love um, very dearly? You know, or like the Holocaust or 9-11. Like, why does God allow these things to happen? What's his plan in this? Like, why does God allow suffering? And as I was preparing to talk about this, I realized that I definitely bit off more than I could chew trying to answer that question. Um, But because I could take an entire sermon and then some and still not do this question justice. But I'm going to do my best to answer it very briefly with the time I have. Um, I was reading an article by Lee Strobel about this. Some of you might know who Lee Strobel is. He's a very well-known Christian author. Um, His most well-known book is probably The Case for Christ. Um his story is he used to be a, a non-believer and he was a journalist, and either someone, I can't remember, someone he worked with or just someone he knew who was a Christian uh, challenged him to kind of um, look into scripture and really find out if he could find anything inaccurate about scripture, to disprove something in scripture. and. So he kind of, he was determined because he didn't believe in God and he didn't want the Bible to be true. And so he was determined to, he kind of went on this like journey or quest to disprove um, the credibility of scripture, um, whether some historical inaccuracy or a scientific um, inaccuracy, something like that. So anyway, the whole book is about his journey looking for ways. And he traveled all over the world and he interviewed a whole bunch of different people. And by the end of his journey, he realized that he couldn't Find one false thing about Scripture, and so because of that, he actually became a Christian. And the book is just a compilation of his story, him just telling it. Um, And it's a really good book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. Um, It's especially if you want to be stronger in defending your faith and know good ways to defend your faith. I would really encourage you to read this book. Um, But anyway, so the article he was writing. Well, uh, he was trying to answer the question, why does God allow tragedy and suffering? And he came up with five points um, talking about it. And just for the sake of time, I'm just going to talk about two of them. Um, the first one was, though suffering isn't good, God can use it to accomplish good. Romans 8:28 says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God knows everything that has happened, everything that is happening, and everything that's going to happen in life. And he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. And we may not see it right away, or we may not even see it in our lifetime, how God is going to take our negative situations that we've been in and use them for his goodness and his glory. But we can trust in him and know that he has it under control and he has a plan and we can lean on him in times of trouble. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through 13 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God's plan for those who love him is only good. We can have hope in that and seek him in times of trouble. And the second point I want to bring up that, that Lee Strobel mentioned in this article was, he says, our suffering will pale in comparison to the good things God has for us. Um, and I wanted to share this point just because it's always been so encouraging to me to, to think about the future that's awaiting, awaiting me and awaiting believers. Um, so I hope it can be encouraging to you as well. But Romans 8.18 says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For those who are believers in Christ, we have a great reward in eternity. And I don't want to minimize the suffering that we may or will experience on earth because I know for some of us, it's been very great so far. And for some of us, it will be very great. Um, So I don't want to minimize that at all um, or be insensitive. But no matter how bad it is, it will not even come close not even come close to the glory and peace we will experience for the rest of eternity. Because our time on earth is just a dot in the timeline of eternity. It'll be over in a flash, and we'll spend the rest of eternity with the Father. (laughs) Um, And then at the end of this point, Lee Shrobel shares a story about a 17-year-old kid, and I just want to read it to you. He said, a young man had fallen down a flight of stairs as a baby and shattered his back. He had been in and out of hospitals his whole life, and yet he made the astounding comment that he thinks God is fair. Reed asked him, How old are you? The boy said, Seventeen. Reed asked, How many years have you spent in hospitals? The boy said, Thirteen years. The pastor said with astonishment, And you think that's fair? The boy replied, Well, God has all of eternity to make it up to me. And then he reads uh, verse, first, verse 1 Corinthians um, 2 9. It says, No eye has seen no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We cannot even fathom or imagine what God has in store for us in eternity. So I know that I haven't um, necessarily proven or answered fully this question of why God allows suffering, but um, I hope I've helped us to maybe have a better understanding of God's complete control, and I hope that it's helped us to more easily trust in him even in times of suffering and persevere in tribulation. So the last thing Paul commands um, in Romans twelve twelve to the Romans is to be constant in prayer. Um, and Paul is speaking to believers here. And because of this, this is one of his commands that he gives because he knows that for those who are in Christ, there is great power in prayer. James five sixteen says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Um, I don't know where all of you listening stand on on God doing miraculous healings today, but um, I fully believe that he can and does. Uh, I believe I've personally experienced in my own life more than once um, God miraculously healing me of something, um, some medical problems that I've had, and I just want to share one of them. Um, uh, Back in high school, I had a heart condition, um, and my parents can correct me if I'm wrong. It was either called super or supra-ventricular tachycardia. I know both exist, I'm not not sure which one I had. But um, anyway, what it was was a heart condition where out of nowhere, my heart would just, it wasn't from exercise or anything like that. I could just be sitting on the couch eating potato chips and all of a sudden my heart would just kick into this insanely fast rhythm. It wasn't like an irregular rhythm or anything, it was just really, really fast. And so I eventually was able to capture it with, like, a heart monitor, and it said that my heart was beating 275 beats a minute. Um, And I did some research because I was really curious about it, and for a 17-year-old kid, which is how old I was at the time, uh, the max heart rate that a a healthy 17-year-old person should be while exercising was 196 beats a minute, and mine was going almost... 100 beats faster than that. So I just like to share that because it's really amazing to me and surprising. But um, anyway, so I had a surgery to fix my my heart condition. And and somehow during the surgery, a a blood clot had formed in my heart. And um, the doctors were really concerned about this because um, if the blood clot were to um, spread to my lungs, which I guess was a possibility. Then, for some reason, I'm not sure why it would it would cause basically I would die pretty quickly after that. And I'm not sure why, but I guess that's just how it would work. Um, so they were very concerned, and they decided to keep me overnight at the hospital on blood thinners all night. And my parents were obviously very concerned. I didn't I didn't know any of this at the time. I just I knew I had a blood clot in my heart, but I didn't realize how serious it was because um, they didn't want me to worry but so they were very concerned, and I know that they were up a lot that night just praying for me and just asking God to heal me, and I know that they texted a lot of close friends and family that they had and asked them to pray, and in the morning, um, they did another, um, another scan of my heart. I don't know the medical term. I'm sorry, but (laughs) they did another scan of my heart, and it, it turned out that the blood clot had just completely disappeared, and, um, And the doctors were like shocked by this and they even went so far as saying that they weren't sure if it was even a blood clot anymore because they had no explanation for how it had dissipated so quickly. Um, And I fully believe that God miraculously healed me from that. Um, I believe that he still has a purpose for me here on earth and I just, I want to do my best to continue to serve him all the days that I have on earth. And as long as he puts breath in my lungs and and wakes me up in the morning, I want to continue to serve him. Um, So, And I know that sometimes there are medical complications uh, in, you know, hospitals that God doesn't come through and doesn't answer prayers of healing. I I fully understand that, and I know that that's really difficult sometimes, but I just, I want to share this story about my personal life just to show that through the power of prayer, God can and does heal. Um, Not all the time and sometimes not in the way we expect, but, but he does and he can because there is great power in prayer. Um, so we must be constant in prayer, always praying and seeking God's wisdom and guidance in every situation, small and big. Um, because I believe that God not only cares about the big things happening in our life, big decisions, but he also cares about the small little details of our everyday life. Um, one example I'll give quickly is um, Kirsten works in a preschool and um, her, the other teacher in her preschool classroom for the last day, wanted to get all the kids, she was just telling me this last week, but she wanted to get all the kids candy canes um, as kind of like a Christmas present. And um, she just she's a very busy lady. She, she was a full-time preschool teacher at the school, and she was also a pastor's wife um, at her church. And so she was just very busy and just ended up not having time to get the candy canes. Um, but then on the last day of school, one of the kids actually brought in um, a whole bunch of candy canes to and she gave them to Kirsten and the other teacher to give out to all the kids. Um, so it's just, just little things like that, that God can answer Just small things that we've been hoping for. Um, so I think it's important to not only pray and ask God um, to just provide for us in small and th- big things, but also in the small, everyday things of our life. Because he cares about everything. Um, so we should always pray and see him through every situation. Um, so as I was looking back at my time at Moody and thinking about my future after Moody, I, uh,
1: did I want to have
0: two part-time jobs, um, and also have my wife have two part-time jobs, um, both of us, you know, working over 100 hours a week together, um, definitely not. <laughs> um, I really wanted to have one full-time job right out of, right out of master's school and so that, um, Kirsten didn't have to work if she didn't want to. And any if she did work, any income that she earned would just be extra, you know, spending money if if we wanted to go on vacation or you know do whatever we wanted with it. Um, But that's just that's just not the reality, you know. That's not where God has placed us um, in this stage of our life. And maybe one day that will be the case, but for now it's not. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay because we believe that God has placed us here in Chicago at this church with all of you. Um, We just we felt a strong calling that this is where he wants us, and we just want to serve faithfully in that. Um, and we know that it costs way more to live in Chicago, but you know what? We, want to, we believe God has called us to this city, and we want to sacrifice that uh, financially to live here and to serve him. Um, because what I've learned in the past two or three years is that you just you can't plan out your future. You can try, but it may go how you plan, but a lot of times it may not. God may do whatever he wants and whenever he wants, and he's going to put you wherever he chooses. Um, and maybe for you that might be scary. Believe me, it's, it's very scary for me to not know my future and to not know the answers, because as Hugh and Vanessa have joked with me a lot, that I always want to know the answer for why and everything, because when I was thinking about working here with them and joining this church, um, I took a really long time to, to finally say yes, and I asked them a billion questions, I'm just trying to make sure that, that this is where God had us. But, um, so I always want to know the answer. But it doesn't have to be that way, because sometimes God doesn't give us the answer. Sometimes we don't always have to know the answer. We just need to trust in him and lean on him and wait for him. Because his path is greater than our path that we can create for ourselves. And one of my favorite verses um, in the Bible, probably my favorite verse, is Isaiah 40, 30, and 31. It says, though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired and they will walk and not become weary. Life's not always going to be an easy road, but if we trust in him, he will provide our steps. He will give us the strength to keep going and to look through his lens, to rejoice because we know what our hope is in, or should I say who our hope is in, Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the Savior and Redeemer of the world, who is going to come again in glory. The King on the throne, he's coming back again. And when he does, in Revelation 21, 4, it says, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. And in verse 5, it says, he who sits on the throne, behold, I am making all things new. This is our hope we can rejoice in. Our Savior is coming again, and we get to be with him forever no longer experiencing the damage and destruction of sin. None of us can even comprehend what that will feel like because all of us are sinful and we have a sin nature. Um, But I can't wait to find out what it will be like. Um, And if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus this morning, I hope that some of what I shared this morning was impactful to you and I hope it helped us all to realize how desperately we need a Savior because we've all sinned and our sin separates us from God and from the love of the Father. Um, And if you want to talk more about that this morning or anything I've shared today, I'd be happy to talk with you more about it. I'm going to stand up here um, um, for that, and I can't promise I'll be able to answer all your questions, um, but I'm going to try my best. So um, thank you for this time, and that's all I have for us today. Uh, Why don't I pray, and then I'll give it back to you. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this time um, that you've given me to share your word and uh, what you've placed on my heart through my study. And uh, I just feel incredibly blessed to have the opportunity to share um, what you've taught me through through studying your word. And I just pray that we would all be able to just do what Romans 12, 12 says, just be able to rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. Always looking to you, God, to provide our steps in our path because you are in complete control and you know what's best for us. I pray that we would be able to trust in you no matter our circumstances. In your name I pray, amen.